Text Talks could not be prouder to be collaborating with Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies this season. This season is all about inclusion, all about providing a platform, and all about the music. We are teaming up with one of the world's most iconic brands, which, for the first time, is teaming up with one of the world's most iconic festivals. We could not be more stoked to be jumping on the Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies train to bring you an all-woman lineup for the first time across all our seasons. So remember to keep walking towards love, keep walking towards the future, keep walking towards music as we prep you for what's bound to be the biggest festival of the year. Head on over to rockingthedaisies.com to find out more about the future of music festivals in Africa. Get those last-minute festival tips, merch, and soak up every little bit of excitement that Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies has to offer. Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to a Joburg singer who paints a cosmos of poetic rhymes and soulful verses. And over the course of her four EP releases, she's grown in leaps and bounds, poised to give us a show we're all itching for at this year's Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies. For the first time, please welcome to Tex Talks, Lord Kez. Welcome to the show, lady. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? Oh, it's only a pleasure. I've been itching to get you on here for a long time. And I'm good. I'm good. I just got a notification that we might be having load shedding later. (laughs) But apart from that, I'm fine. I know. I'm sorry to break it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for letting me know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that we've got the load shedding schedule out of the way, um, in the run-up to this interview, I watched a a very cool interview that you did online with Pop Radio. And Ah. it's the most adorable thing because you brought (laughs) along this giant pink teddy bear, right, that you named Fufula Jumanji, who you brought along for moral (laughs) support. So I have to ask, is Fu sitting in on our chat right now? No, unfortunately, Fu is actually in Kimberley with one of my younger cousins she came into my home and she was like oh my goodness what is that who is that can I have it so I had to give it to her but for moral support I do have my boyfriend here so (laughs) uh okay so Fufula has been uh has been substituted (laughs) replaced by your boyfriend (laughs) can we talk about that uh, name though (laughs) Fufula (laughs) yeah no we have to Okay, I, I, I really don't know what to say. It just it was really fitting because, you know, they're fluffy and cute and just I don't know how the name came. It was Fufla, I think. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I love it. So you basically substituted one fluffy cute um person for another. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, my gosh. I think I think Fufla is definitely doing the Lord's work right now. I do miss I do miss them, but uh, they're in Kimberley right now. <laughs> yeah, and you know when when the fluffy toys get co-opted by family members, especially younger ones, you can't you can't say no. There's really nothing I could do about it because it's just like from probably from my little cousin's point of view, she's just like you're an adult. So what are you doing with this giant pink teddy bear? And obviously, she didn't understand that I you know I felt very safe with big old fufla. 
but I, I think she probably needed Fufla more than I did. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. Now, I feel like you've lived a bunch of different lives because you've lived in so many different places and we'll get to that just yeah. now. But what we like to do here at Text Talks is we love a good backstory, right? So I want you to okay. take me back to your hometown in Kimberley. What stands out in your mind when you think about growing up in the Northern Cape? Because I'll be very honest, I don't know much about the Northern Cape. Um, you know what? There's really not much to know. <laughs> I think the one thing that stands out to me is like whenever I think about Kimberley, I just think about dust. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I just think about dust and sand um, because I spent a lot of like my childhood playing outside with my cousins and my friends and whatever. Um, yeah, uh, but also like Kimberley is very hot. So whenever I think about Kimberley, it's just like summer and dust and getting all dirty and playing outside with the mud. And yeah, I mean, I have the best memories um, I also have the worst memories, but, you know, don't we all? I know. I, I, I reckon childhood, there's a sense of duality when it comes to childhood, right? That's like the yeah. parts that you remember that are really beautiful, but also, I mean, people who are blessed to have a childhood where, you know, it was only like, you know, rainbows and unicorns. That, good for you. <laughs> good yeah. for you. But, Wish I was but, you, I mean, but... Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> exactly. But uh, um, did you ever feel out of place in Kimberley? Did you feel that it was a sort of a small, a small town, um, and that you needed to get out? Did you ever feel at home there? What, what was your relationship like with the place which you grew up in? Well, I I I can't say that I did feel very out of place. Um, I I definitely felt like. I felt like a sore thumb, do you know what I mean? Um, Even through like primary school and high school, I was, you know, bullied to a certain extent and have friends. Um, I felt like even the the way that I would dress was very like different to, you know, the status quo of everyone around me and whatever. Um, And I think in a sense, um, my mom kind of had that same thing, but maybe in a different way. And um, I'm very, I'm very like her. And when I was younger, we used to move around a lot. And um, I think that really kind of shapes who I am today. Like I, I don't like being in one place for too long. And um, so she kind of like opened up the world to me. I'm really glad that you brought up your mom because I read that she's also a singer and she played organ in church. And yeah. you've said. It, on multiple occasions, you've said that she was a huge influence on you, and you know you've you've credited her with being the reason that you have talent. You know, um, oh, definitely. And, and then and then you know your mom loves R and B and soul, and then your dad loves gangster rap, and yeah, <laughs> to a certain extent, you can sort of hear all of these styles across your discography. But but talk to me about the role that your mom played in how you developed as an artist? Wow, where do I even begin? You know, um, it's very cliche, but you know when the the R&B comes on at like maybe 8 o'clock on a a Saturday morning and you know Mm -hmm. it's time for you to clean up? I think that's where like 
my love for music also kind of started because I have very fond memories of my mom just blasting her favorite music when she's in a good mood and she's singing along to it. And, and you know, seeing your parent happy makes you happy. Um, and then she also plays um, the organ. And that's where I, I guess I, I picked up on how music kind of works and how sounds are created and how you make a melody and things like that. And the crazy thing about that is that she plays by ear. Like she, she did have... I think she had some kind of like piano lesson when she was younger. I'm not really sure. I need to double check on that. But she played by ear and she taught me how to play by ear. But not in the same way that she does, in a, in a different mm. way. Um, and it wasn't something that was that was difficult. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, music isn't your only avenue for creating and expressing i was very interested but not surprised to find out that you used to write poetry before music became a thing uh oh yeah and i want to know about your poetry days when when you used to call yourself sherry charcotta because <laughs> i imagine that this was a very important phase for for developing your pen game as well right can i call you sherry from now on <laughs> i love that <laughs> so um sherry charcotta um, came to life when I moved to Abu Dhabi, I think. Um, like I said, I, I, I was very, like, isolated. Like, I isolated myself. Or from people, because I was so shy and, you know, insecure and scared of the world. So I created this persona who just says what she wants to all the time and just loves the color red and just is bold and sexy and smart and all of those things that I really I had the desire to be and it's so crazy because I feel like I've kind of embodied that and developed that side of me now through that if that makes sense Mm, no, definitely. And I mean, going back to your mom, who's also an English teacher, I'm sure that she had a lot of influence on you when it came to how you were flexing your pen game in the beginning. Do you know, also, my mom, um, she's a, she, well, she still is, but she used to do night school for adults and I remember her taking me with to like her classes and I would sit at the back of the class and watch Macbeth with them and I feel like that sort of shaped me in some way I'm thinking about it now (laughs) that maybe shaped me (laughs) yeah and like Macbeth is (laughs) I mean (laughs) the the themes of Macbeth are not necessarily child-friendly you know what I mean (laughs) you've got you've got a you've got Lady Macbeth who's like super toxic like talk about a toxic relationship pulling all of the strings and telling Macbeth to basically go and murder a bunch of people then you've got witches basically got witchcraft crazy witches (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was I I do I do think that my mom's love for for writing also um also made me just because she's she inspires me she's my role model so it's just like everything that that I found interesting. I, I I feel like I sort of just embodied. Do you know what I mean? Shout out Lord Kez's mom. You can follow her on Instagram. Her handle is, oh, I love this, <laughs> at Lord <laughs> underscore mom. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, is she not, is she not like your biggest fan as well? 
She must be. Definitely. From the beginning. From the beginning of my musical journey, it was actually so crazy because I, I, I didn't really like see myself being like a full-time musician, a full-time artist. And um, this, was in, this was when we were still living in Abu Dhabi. And mm-hmm. um, I, I had a group of friends, finally, at some point. <laughs> and um, somehow s- someone was connecting someone who, like, has a gig at, like, some kind of, like, market. And I, somehow I met them and we became friends and we started a band, a little band. And um, I, I went home one day and I was like, oh, hey, mom, so... Um, I'm uh, gonna be performing at you know a little like flea market, and she was like, "What? Y- you can sing?" <laughs> so I think it also came as a surprise to her. But um, from the jump, from whatever I really like showed interest in, my mom would really support me in that. If it was music or art or making clothes or whatever the case was, she's been really supportive. That's so. In- it's so important and I've spoken to so many musicians where that's not the case and they don't have the backing of their parents and it either, you know, works for them or works against them, you know what I mean? And they crave that that support. So it's it's really, really, yeah. yeah, it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that you got that. But you've mentioned Thank Abu you. Dhabi twice now, right? And I, yeah. I'm, <laughs> how do you go <laughs> from living in Kimberley right? Where there's not really much going on to living in Abu Dhabi, one of the most bustling, growing, fastest growing cities in the world. What's that transition like when you move and when you first arrive? Yeah. So it was definitely the biggest culture shock of my life. Um, I went from, you know, I mean, living in a, in a small town where things are just like five minutes away from each other to this big city with so many different faces, so many different people, so many different foods. <laughs> I'm a big foodie right now, so I'm thinking about like how many different things I tried that was just so life-changing. Um, also, I, I, I do feel like w- when you come from a, from a tiny town, it feels like your world is, is really it's basically where, where your eyes can see that's your your world and um I guess moving to a bigger place also kind of like expanded my horizons if, if that makes any sense mm. um yeah like your your problems don't really seem like your problems anymore do you know what I mean a hundred percent you feel like a, a sort of a drop in the ocean yeah yeah definitely you mentioned that you're a foodie which I absolutely love because I, <laughs> A, am Italian and B, love to eat. Oh. So anything that's got anything to do with, with learning about new cuisines, trying new cuisines, eating new cuisines, I'm all about oh, that. Oh, definitely. What, what, what are you like loving right now in terms of like how you're flexing your foodie game? Like what are you, hmm. yeah. So I've recently... Um, I recently figured out how to make the best noodles. So I get these little like noodle packets at Spa. Um, I don't know what exactly they're called, but they have different colors. They're like black and red and like, you've probably seen them, but yeah, I yeah. think they're like Korean or something like that, but they're really spicy. Okay. So what I do, like my mouth is literally frothing as I'm like sp- <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> 
So because they're really spicy, I like to simmer it in some milk. And once it's like cooked, I have it with cucumber and sushi ginger. And it is the most delightful thing I've ever had in my life. So that is my current obsession. <laughs> that sounds absolutely amazing. Are the noodles, the actual noodles, are they spicy or do you add the spice into it? So the noodles come with, oh my goodness, what is the name? I can't get to the name right now, but they come with fine. these like sauce I'm going to go to spa afterwards and check. <laughs> oh, you'll find them. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they come with these like little sauce packets and they're so spicy and it's just so, I also really like spicy things. I just, I love things that taste good. <laughs> so what were you eating when you were in Abu Dhabi? I've never been, so I'm fascinated. Oh, I was eating a whole bunch of everything. I was that was also the first time that I um I had, you know, like the American style barbecue wings with oh, like yeah. the ranch or ranch oh, or yum. however you say yes. it. Yes. Yeah, I had that for the first time. I tried churros, like literally everything that I saw on Disney Channel when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. But definitely shawarma is also a really big one that I had while I was there. They have so many cute little shawarma spots and and the oh, the Indian cuisine over there also, like just everything. Even like, I, I can't even fathom everything. It was just really great. So it seems like it's a melting pot of cultures, right? Because of where it is, but then also yeah. there's probably quite a big expat community, I'm, I'm assuming. So it's like... If you want Greek food, they probably do like amazing Greek food over there. Yeah, literally anything that you can think of, they have it, which is great. <laughs> I mentioned Greek food because that's my my latest like obsession. Anything Greek, I've just been mm. yeah, shoving my face into. But anyway, this is not a food podcast. <laughs> you might think that it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I go off on a tangent and then I start talking about food. Um, but I also read that when you were in Abu Dhabi, you recorded your first song. I think you were like 15, 16, uh, called Hold You Down. I'm scared of falling and you're Yeah, that happened. <laughs> Time is just a I construct, I, I mean. Yeah. And, the, you know, that is the most cringy part of my entire life. <laughs> what, that song? Yeah, just thinking about that, like I don't, I had no idea what I was doing. To be quite honest with you, um, I think I was listening to a whole lot of Amy Winehouse at the time, mm -hmm. um, and I really that specific song. I wanted, I wanted it to be jazzy, and somehow it just became some other kind of tropical. I don't even know what <laughs> what genre that is, but it sounds very like fruity. So I'm just gonna call that genre of music fruity. Fruity. Um, yeah, because it's just like, I, it was just fun. Okay, but right now I'm in, the, in in a space where I'm just making so many other different kinds of sounds and it's just like, you know, it's just a bit cringy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that it was about where you were, the people you were surrounding yourself with and that kind of like very formative age that you were at that like, you know, early no, like late teen that you think brought out that songwriter in you? Um, you know, I was around, um, I was around so many people who were just very unapologetic about who they are, very creative, very beautiful and unique in their, in their own way. And I feel like they, they brought that out in me. 
um, my my friends Azara and Eliza, um, they are the reason that that song was made because they were encouraging me to make a song. So shout out to them. I love them and I miss them so much. I think they're still in Abu Dhabi right now. Um, but I, I, I don't think I give them enough credit because they, they definitely like, they gave, they gave me that kind of, that confidence, that, that kind of like inspiration, like, I, oh, I can do this. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I think that's where, where that came from. And then after you left Abu Dhabi, you spent a while in Cape Town. I'm very curious to find out what was significant about your stint in the mother city, like maybe a specific phase for your oh. art, or perhaps you were studying because it was right after high school. Give me some of the highlights. So what actually happened was I studied sound engineering for a little bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and um, funny enough, my mom and my mom lives there now. But um, at the time I was staying with my dad. And um, I don't know why that's relevant. I, I just thought I'd mention <laughs> Um But I was, yeah, I think around the time that I was still studying over there, I dropped like the, my first serious EP and it was called Revenge Season and um, I guess the kind of the, the reception and like seeing people react to my music also kind of like propels me in the right direction do you know what I mean because then I dropped out and I started taking my music really seriously and, and you know giving it my everything because I figured that I might as well do this because it's the only thing that really makes me happy and makes me feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose. You know what I mean? Mm, definitely. You know, I had Rolene on Text Talks this season and she was telling me about how she planned to visit Joburg for just the weekend, but then she never left because of the vibes, but oh, also wow. because of her, her new musical family that she found. And I wanted to know if you had a similar experience like, you found your tribe in Joburg and you just didn't want to be anywhere else. Well, um, let me think. I I do feel I do feel like it's a it's a bit blurry in my mind because I, I was also just going through my own <laughs> I was going through my own nonsense in my brain at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel like it was it was the biggest leap of faith for me. Um, because I, you know, I had friends in Cape Town and, this, and I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm coming to Joburg to just like pursue this with people that I have no idea of who they are, what they're about. And those people that I had no idea about who they are right now, they made the biggest impact in my life. Um, and I, I do feel like, um, I do feel like we've grown as a, as a family. Um, I, yeah, I think if that answers your question. It 100% does. And, you know, like I used to live in Joburg, um, but I'm originally from Cape Town. I lived in Joburg for two and a half years. And I just really found the people to be beautiful, the energy to be very infectious. And you move to Joburg to get things done. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. And like Cape Town is beautiful and lacquer. But, you know, you come here... (laughs) And it's a little bit more laid back, you know, it's a little bit more holiday-like. Yeah, Cape Town is just like relax, go to the beach, have a coffee, go surfing. Over here it's just like, okay, get in the studio, let's work. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. You know, it's so it's so weird how normal it is to not wear a mask in public anymore. And it really feels like I know COVID's a thing of the past. Like I was getting a coffee. <laughs> Funny, you're like Cape Tonians, all they do is get coffee and stuff. I'm like, I was getting a coffee <laughs> and <laughs> and before I came <laughs> before our, our our recording. And uh I was standing in the middle of Vida and it was just weird. It was it it was so there was one person wearing a mask in the queue and everybody was looking at that person like, Why are you wearing a mask? This is so strange. <laughs> but but talk to me about how lockdown affected you because I saw your career really start to take off during lockdown. Yeah, it's 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 a wild. It, it's actually really crazy. Um am I allowed to swear on here? You're allowed to say whatever you want. Okay, great. Just checking. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think during lockdown I had nothing else to do but to really apply myself in areas that I found most uncomfortable. And, th- and that was mm-hmm. recording myself, finishing songs by myself, um, doing, doing everything by myself. And I think that... I, I did uh, I think I recorded a couple of songs with myself during lockdown and that that kind of pushed me into like okay you know you can do this right like you thought that you couldn't but look you can because of circumstances and whatever um, I, I spent so much time just like listening to my favorite artists watching interviews I was like obsessed with watching every Erika Badu interview that I could get my hands on um, and just kind of taking bits and pieces from everyone that inspired me and trying to I guess trying to figure out how I can inspire others and how I can I don't know inspire myself at the end of the day um and thinking about it now I'm I'm really grateful for for that period in my life because it was it was it was really crazy I also I moved into my apartment like as soon as lockdown started so I was like completely like isolated from the world once again and I feel like that's a common theme in my life I don't know why I'm still figuring it out but um yeah I I, I've learned so much and yeah I I I I do I do feel like wait I'm forgetting what I wanted to say I'm sorry what was the question (laughs) I asked how lockdown affected you because your career started to take off during lockdown, which oh, I thought was right. a very, yeah, which I thought was a very interesting thing because, um, yeah, normally a musician will have their career, well, musicians have their career established and, and then, you know, go, and, <laughs> go into lockdown. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was actually like pretty crazy when when things started going back to normal and I started getting bookings for shows and things and I was just like I have absolutely no experience in any of this all I do is sit in my bedroom write silly little poems silly little songs and now people on the other side of the world are messaging me saying how much they love my music and how much do you know what I mean like that that thing is is absolutely crazy and I am I feel like I'm constantly in a state of gratitude because I I was I was that person messaging my favorite artists to inspire me and be like, yo, you changed my life. And to be able to like, I don't know, see see that for myself and, and make that one of my own goals, I think that's something really beautiful. 
I mean, people on the other side of the world were messaging you, but your face was literally sprawled across a billboard <laughs> on the other side of the world. I'll never forget. Like, oh, yeah. I was so, I like, oh, I yeah. was so shocked, but like pleasantly shocked. I remember it was like September in 2020, and you posted this like giant billboard with your face on it in Times Square. Oh my goodness! And, yeah, that I was... mean, how how great? How great? Do you know the crazy part about this is that everybody around me knew that it was happening. And um, I think on the day that um, that I dropped Sharkado, I, oh, was it the day or was it the day after? I don't remember. But somewhere somewhere close to, closer to that time, um, we had like a little celebration party. And like towards the evening, um, everyone was, you know, hanging out. And then um, my manager at the time, Vaughn, He's just like, yo, like, look at this. And I was just like, wow, that's so cute and cool. Ha ha ha, who edited that? And they were like, no, look at this. <laughs> and I, my entire, like, I don't know, it was a very life-changing, mind-exploding moment for me because I was just like, whoa, this is, this is getting serious. Okay, I'm definitely a serious musician right now. <laughs> Was it ever strange for you? Because you essentially became a recording artist before you became a live performing artist, right? We'll blame COVID for yeah. that. But but was it a difficult transition for you from the studio then to the stage? Like once shows started becoming more of a regular thing again, or did it feel yeah. quite natural? No, it was definitely difficult for me um, because I was also still kind of developing my own my own confidence to get up on a stage and just not care about like the eyes watching me not caring about what everyone else is probably thinking and just stand there and want to you know speak my truth sing my truth and and um also because I I I do find myself to be very vulnerable in my music so sometimes it's difficult for me to, you know, do that. But I think I've, I've gotten enough practice. I think, but it was a really, it was a really difficult transition for me. Not gonna lie. Um, at times, I, I still get a little bit of like butterflies before I get on the stage. Um, I still feel like, oh my goodness, what if I suck? What if I mess up? And you know, the thing that really gives me peace of mind is that not everyone really has that that level of like determination or, or confidence or whatever you call it to get up and to express themselves in, in, in front of 10 or 20 or 50 people you know and I, I just I do think that that's something I'm, I'm really proud of myself for being able to do and also proud of like everyone else that has been through like like the COVID thing like with you know, I'm forgetting what I wanted to say, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. And, yeah. you know, when I look at you and your career, it seems to me like you are very driven and you know what it is that you want, but you're also surrounded by a really solid team. And I know that you're signed yeah. to Stay Low Records, which is Stain Entertainment's record label and management company. Yeah. You did that very early on in your career, which is obviously a testament to your talent. But I want to know how being a part of the Stay Low family impacted on your success. Because, you know, it's one thing to be a great musician, but it's an entirely different thing to navigate the music business, especially if you're green. 
Yeah. Um, do you know the crazy thing is I came into this not knowing anything. I still I feel like I don't know enough, but that's okay. Um, I am truly grateful f- for having like a team of people who understand who I am and I understand who they are. And we have that mutual understanding of we're, we're in this together. You know what I mean? And it's been, it's been so crazy and so beautiful to watch, um, stay low, like blossom into what it is right now. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm sitting in the studio, like thinking about this was never here. You know what I mean? And um, I'm thinking about all of, like, um, the other artists that are in Stella. And it's just like we've all grown so much. And we have such a solid team of people who who believe in the vision and everything. And, and I think that's something so rare to find. You know, I think it's also okay to not know everything you know we're constantly learning I'm constantly learning the music business is constantly evolving I saw something the other day someone sent me a tweet that said TikTok have very very quietly filed for a patent for a streaming service in America and that's crazy like think about that like think about how the music industry evolves at the speed of light but like TikTok are so smart. <laughs> I honestly think that they're that like one incredible. of the smartest That is incredible. I don't even know around. about that. Hey, how crazy. So then wow. that essentially means that like you and me were uploading our videos to TikTok. My video goes viral. That clip gets used by millions and millions of people. And then that clip will be available on their own streaming service for me to make mad revenue from it. Like that's smart. So I, that is know, actually crazy. It's so crazy. So I think that because the music industry is constantly evolving, we're always learning. Um, And nobody gets into this game knowing everything, you know what I mean? Uh, So, I mean, for me, it was very beneficial to surround myself with smart, passionate people, you know, until I (laughs) could kind of figure out my way through this this jungle, you know. But um, but yeah, yeah, I do feel like you've you've got a good team around you. I want to talk about your EPs a little more closely, right? So there was Revenge Season, which is your debut one, and then Shakata, and then Juice Box, mm-hmm. and most recently Midsummer, which is probably my favorite. I won't lie, I really like Midsummer. Yeah, mine too. Um, I, mine really, is my favorite. <laughs> Why is that 100%. one your favorite specifically? I had the most fun recording all of those songs. I feel like I just really let go and I just had so much fun with it. Um, there are a few songs on there that I, I'm also just like, how how is that even a thing right now? How did that even happen? Mm-hmm. But um, the creative space that I was in during that time, that was that was insane. And I'm every day trying to go back to that. <laughs> Are you working on anything new at the moment? Yeah, I'm actually working towards my album. Tell me more. So I've I've actually been um, working on it and, I mean, quietly in the background mm-hmm. because the word album is also kind of scary to me because, <laughs> you know, it's like a serious body of work that, I mean, that's just how I consume albums. I'm just like, this is a body of work. Everything is perfect, you know? And I, I feel like I, I got away with just doing tiny little EPs all the time that 
I mean, they they each have their own, you know, own world. And um, I think with with an album, the scariest part of that is it's going to be critiqued as an album, you know. I think. I think that's how I feel right now. But anyway, um, I think it might be coming out next year, sometime around maybe April, May. Uh, who knows where the wind will take us but um it's been really fun if you think about it in terms of you've released such different all all very different well-packaged sounds and stories over these four eps right and you really made each one so cohesive in their identities and sounds that there's no reason why you can't duplicate that on an album it's just double the amount of songs yeah it's <laughs> just, yeah i guess i mean that's just me being in my head about it um but i i do feel like um it's it seems bigger in my mind than what it actually is you know as artists we really hold ourselves on this i don't know this high pedestal like where we see ourselves and where we want to be and and all of that and um I, I guess also for the longest time, I, I didn't think that I was, you know, ready to, um, I don't know, put myself in that position to be like, okay, I'm working on an album and, uh, wait, I forgot what I was saying. I'm so sorry. I'm going to get back no. to it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I think because for me, um, like I said earlier, I, I do find myself to be very vulnerable in my music and for me music is only great if you can if you can relate you know what I mean um like I'm not gonna find a song about I don't know ponies relatable because I've never had a pony in my life (laughs) but I don't know if that makes any sense I keep on saying I don't know I don't know I don't know because I really don't I'm just making songs (laughs) I'll tell you which one of your songs I really, really enjoy. I love Belladonna featuring Shekinah. I think that that song is absolutely stunning and really is a good representation of of the kind of music that you make and you know your your direction but i mean you've also worked i know you've worked with pretty ugly um yeah have you worked with mars baby oh my gosh i've been working with mars baby since i was born (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding talk to me about your 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 relationship with him because he's incredible and I know that you also actually played a role in getting him signed to Stalo as well. Oh, yeah. Very proud of that moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like forever Mars Baby is going to be a part of my success story as an artist. Um, um, so the the song that currently has the most streams like, is, is the one that I made with him, where I actually, funny enough, begged him for the song <laughs> and um well our friendship started in Cape Town and that's how we know each other we had a mutual friend and and we immediately like became friends and made music and yeah the rest is history now he's just like my go-to person whenever I'm stuck on anything or whenever I just want to make something fun if I want to cry on a beat I go to him <laughs> um 
but I I do I do feel like um, if anything, Mars Baby um, also really understands himself, and that thing of him understanding himself makes me understand myself. Do you know what I mean? Because it's mm-hmm. like we came into this thing together, and he's obviously doing his own thing, and I'm doing my own thing. But it's like we're doing our own things together, if that makes any sense. So I'm constantly inspired by by him and and his musical abilities and everything. He's a genius, and not enough people know that. Not enough people do know that, and I hope that they jump on that yeah. really, really soon. I, I saw that he released an EP the other day, which I, I definitely have yet to will. Uh, oh my goodness! Have, yes, please yeah, do. I have yet to listen to it, so that is on my my weekend uh, playlist selection. But before we go, we're here because you're right. playing at this year's Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies. So I want to know what we can expect from your set. What you're bringing to the Maybelline station this year? What can people look forward to? Well, um, let me think. Definitely garden music. <laughs> That's how I, I describe my sound. Definitely garden music. I'm very excited to just, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to experience daisies also, but it's going to be a very different experience for me. <laughs> um, maybe I'll be doing a few new songs. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> so we've got... Fruity music <laughs> slash tropical music. <laughs> and now we've got garden music. So explain to me what garden music is. Well, you know, just like music for the fairies <laughs> and the garden gnomes and the butterflies. Feel good music, if that makes sense. I'm I'm in a space where I only want to do things that make me feel good. I only want to watch things that make me feel good. I only want to eat things that make me feel So obviously I only want to perform music that makes me feel good. So I'm really looking forward to spreading the love and spreading the vibes of daisies. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually something that I've manifested for myself, which is crazy to see that it's actually happening. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. And I, I feel like it's a perfect... Um, category because i mean we are rocking the daisies so obviously i have to bring garden music (laughs) i love that and if i ever need help in developing a new terminology for something that i'm doing i'm gonna hit you up because i feel (laughs) like you're so good at at painting a picture and uh and at categorizing things in ways that I would have never thought about before. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, Thank I'm definitely going to slide into your DMs to ask you um, for a few copywriting lines, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I am available for walkings and bookings. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. I love this so much. But whether or not your album comes out in March, April, or May, when it does come out, we need to have you back because I know that it's going to be a beautifully crafted and executed body of work. And I want to know all about it when it comes out. Definitely 100%. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. From me, your host, Tex, producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lurtz, and research and associate producer Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side. 
A huge shout out to Johnny Walker Rocking the Daisies, South Africa's biggest music and lifestyle festival. Remember to follow Text Talks on socials and subscribe and rate on whatever platforms you stream your podcast on. Head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes. And remember, that's text with a double X.